QAnon is a baseless internet conspiracy theory whose followers believe that a shadowy anonymous figure that they call Q has been posting secret information onto a variety of websites in order to drop clues about this vast conspiracy by which Donald Trump is waging a battle against a secret cabal of Democratic politicians, billionaires, Hollywood celebrities who are secretly engaged in wide-scale child sex trafficking. The theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? Hi, my name is Sutton, and this is I Can Sell That, a podcast on marketing. Today we're talking about QAnon, a movement that started online and has crossed over into the mainstream, sparked multiple shootings, protests, and more. QAnon has used propaganda, PR, and marketing tactics with a manipulation of existing social media platforms to attract hundreds of thousands of believers. This episode will be an examination of the methods that have resulted in such fervent devotion. How did so many people become so obsessed with these beliefs, crossing over into an almost religious obsession? Was it the perfect storm with millions out of work and uncertain in the pandemic? Or is it an expertly orchestrated ploy to control generations of people? The more I looked into QAnon, I realized that followership of the movement mimics a common marketing practice called funneling also referred to as a marketing funnel. A marketing or sales funnel is a path that takes a large pool of people from being aware of something all the way to buying it. Sellers give that group of people different information, media, testimonials, free guides, in different formats like Instagram, emails, YouTube channels, blog articles, etc. along the path of that journey to convince them that they should buy whatever it is that's being sold. In the case of QAnon, that journey would be just hearing about it to becoming a full believer. In the QAnon funnel, buying doesn't mean a literal sale. It means buying the messaging they're selling. At what point in your life did you stop listening to the mainstream narrative? When I realized that doing my own research brought me more information than listening to the news ever could. Once I stopped allowing the news to make up my mind or my narrative for me, I grew exponentially, not just politically, but spiritually, intellectually, and physically. You know, because, I mean, I was actually able to take the information that I was absorbing and apply it to my activist routine. The path towards research he's describing is a carefully orchestrated system and a funnel. But as you can hear, he has no idea he's being manipulated into believing anything. In fact, the QAnon funnel is so effective that he actually believes that he is doing this all of his own free will. It's important to note that QAnon is not the first non-commercial entity to use a funnel like this. Funnels exist everywhere. You're in dozens of them right now without even knowing it. Funnels aren't just used by companies selling products. They're used by political campaigns. They're used by religions. They're used to sell more than products. They're used to sell ideas and to buy belief. Funnels do that by setting an entry point that appeals to many, a broad topic, belief, or need that many people share. Gradually, the media that is shown to the audience gets more and more pointed and focused in what it means to do, whether that's getting someone to buy something or believe in something. With systems that use funneling to foster belief, that translates into a path 
leading to more and more intense ideas and values. But it doesn't start that way. A good example of this is Scientology. New Scientologists don't learn about Xenu on day one. They get a sci-fi version of Freudian therapy that makes them feel relieved and safe, especially if they had a previous distrust of the medical profession or psychiatric care. They take classes and join a community. They start the funnel into Scientology at a relatively positive, universally appealing place. But it gets more and more extremist as followers are taken down the funnel. Because to be a really intense follower, a true believer, you need to believe the crazy stuff, the laughable stuff, and you have to believe it with every fiber of your being. QAnon first came to my attention in the news. I didn't realize it, but I actually had a believer in my own office. Each day he'd come in with another crazy sounding conspiracy theory. Michelle Obama was a man, Obama was gay, child molesters and pedophiles were a secret sign so they can identify each other. Hillary Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein were selling children together. He was so convinced when he would tell us these things. He had a passion that would light up his face with focus and pure belief. He'd tell us the info with bated breath, elated at being the one to let us know. Unfortunately, he did not have that passion for his work, and we ended up having to let him go. I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't make the connection. But everything he was talking about was coming from Q, from QAnon communities and message boards. This information was always posed to us as real. He really believed this stuff. It was so outlandish that you would think anyone hearing it would laugh. Hillary Clinton drinking baby's blood? There's evidence, he would say. There's a video I can send you. On Reddit, there's a place for people who have lost someone to Q to vent about the destruction it's had on their lives. It's called QAnon Casualties. There are over 120,000 members and thousands of posts. They all read the same. Here's one excerpt of a young man discussing his father's descent into QAnon. Quote, He started to spend more and more time on the computer. His downfall was incredible and fast, like the demise of a drug addict. Those hours on the computer became nights, and the nights became days. He drank liters of coffee in order to be awake so he could be on the computer. He lost his job because he didn't go to work. All that he did was spend time in QAnon groups on Facebook, reading hundreds of posts on 4chan, watching hours of videos on YouTube or the news looking for signs that Q had referenced. He was a different person. Even his physical appearance deteriorated quickly. Before this, my father was a professional man, a working man, who you would never think would get caught up in conspiracy theories. Finally, we were worried and desperate enough to go into the basement where he keeps his stuff. We smashed his TV and his computer. He screamed and punched my mom in the face. She fell and he started kicking her while screaming insults. It was like watching an addict deprived of their drug. That day, the father I knew died and our family was destroyed. A 30-year marriage ended in divorce. There are so many posts just like this one. Reading through these forums and stories, you see the same comments over and over again. I wish I could have my mom back. I miss my dad. I hoped when Biden went into office that I'd get them all back, but nothing has changed. It also, while seemingly having more conservative followers, appeals to people on both sides of the political divide. The same Reddit forum is overflowing with bewildered liberals wondering how their also liberal spouses disappeared down the rabbit hole of Q. Quote, she lost her job due to the pandemic and has been home since March, one husband describes his wife's experiences with QAnon on the forum. She's feeling lonely, depressed, purposeless, staring at the internet and reading conspiracy threads. 
Epstein stuff, anti-Bill Gates, globalist elite, etc. It's consuming her and I am terrified of losing my family over this shit. We've been together for 10 years. We have always both identified as very liberal people. So let's look at QAnon for what it is, a seemingly highly convincing, dangerous path that's capturing people at their lowest point and ruining lives. Now let's examine how they do it and why. I want to start at the beginning, where and how Q started posting. The person at the beginning of the story is named Frederick Brennan. He's pretty severely disabled. He has osteogenesis imperfecta, brittle bone disease. This disease affects the way the body creates collagen and impacts height and growth, plus causing hundreds of bone breaks over one lifetime. He's permanently in a wheelchair, needs a special tool to press the elevator button, and due to his size, cooking on a normal stove could kill him. He was also put into the foster system at a young age. Frederick is the founder of 8chan. 8chan is where Q spent most of the time since he came on the scene. 8chan blew up because of Q. Frederick is no longer associated with 8chan in any way. In fact, he's come out against it. He thinks he knows who Q is. To me, it doesn't really matter who Q is, but in this case of this movement, I think it's important to know who's pulling the strings and how the situation came to arise. Frederick was a big fan of 4chan and that kind of site, image message boards where users could post content online anonymously. He decided to create 8chan and launched around the time 4chan was suffering from internal issues causing many people to leave the platform, known as Gamergate. Frederick's 8chan was there, waiting to accept all those users, who then migrated to his site. But it got too big too quickly. Frederick couldn't afford to host it, so he asked for help on 8chan itself. A father-son duo wrote back. Their names were Ron and Jim Watkins, and they lived in the Philippines. They cut a deal with Frederick, who gave up ownership of 8chan to them in exchange for paying out the fees to run it. Frederick then moved to the Philippines to work for them on the site and receive cheaper medical care for his disability. 8chan went hard for Donald Trump and his idealized version of MAGA during the 2016 election year. In fact, they claimed credit in part for him winning. Jim Watkins, the father who now owned 8chan, was extremely white-ring conservative and wanted to be in the conservative propaganda world. He tried to launch his own right-wing fake news site, complete with actual fake news broadcasts that he shot with actresses playing news anchors, but it wasn't taken seriously. Around this time, Frederick had decided to leave the company. There was something off, he said. The site made no money. It was a complete money pit. Why were the Watkins paying for it? What did they want? He realized they wanted power and believed that 8chan was the key to fostering control over a huge conservative audience. Watkins also owned other websites, like 8chan, in Japan, and had been a part of a huge rise in far-right conservative culture there through his own sites in the past. Why couldn't he do it for America with 8chan? Q was not the first anonymous poster that posted purported insider government info on 8chan. Around this time, according to Frederick, it was a bit of an ongoing game, with several different insider accounts that would claim all kinds of things were true about the government, even historical figures, like one claim that Thomas Jefferson was a spy, but that the founding fathers were in on it. The first time Q posted, people weren't sure whether to take him seriously. After 10 posts, they were listening. Q started posting on 4chan, but moved to 8chan within a month and from there on posted exclusively on that platform. His first post, in October 2017, gave supposed details of Hillary Clinton's arrest, that in reality of course never happened. 
He implied the National Guard were involved and challenged people to ask National Guard members about their deployment orders, saying that it would back him up. Q's account and the forum on which he posts has changed a few times over the years. The only other person who has access to the Q account, according to Frederick, who designed the site, is Jim Watkins, the ultra-conservative 8chan owner, obsessed with power, who's been hoping this kind of thing would happen the whole time. This is what made his investment worth it. Frederick doesn't believe that Q is necessarily Jim Watkins, but that Jim Watkins either controls Q or posts as Q at this point, given his passion and the level of access. There's literally no way to know if the original Q is still posting. Both he and Watkins have switched to a new platform. They remain linked. Q claims to be inside the government with high-level security clearance and documents the unseen struggle between Donald Trump and the deep state, a propagandist term that refers to a secret level of important government officials and influential people who control the government and the lives of the American people. In Q's world, Donald Trump is regarded as a savior, the best leader who ever lived, who's fighting secretly on behalf of the American people. He's waging a battle against the secret cabal of liberals who, no joke, mine adrenochrome, a chemical naturally found in the body from children to prolong their own lives, aka drinking the blood of babies. Q talks to followers with drops, posts of information where he promotes conspiracy theories, leaves coded clues, challenges followers to research certain things, or draws connections to events or people. He's posted over 4,000 times. The funnel of QAnon is real, and it is profoundly effective. It's also intensely modern. It exists due to a combination of online media messaging and economic political unrest. Its beliefs and claims are so extreme. So what's the first step of the QAnon funnel? For this, I'm not talking about something necessarily literal, like seeing a Q post. I'm talking about the thing that catches someone's attention, that makes them willing to listen from the very beginning. For QAnon, it's kids. Advocates say they want the community to have more conversations about what they don't realize is going on in their backyard. I feel like this is something that we can all come together on, no matter what. It's very important, and it's something that our community needs, because it does happen in our home. Entry-level content to QAnon is dedicated to convincing people that children are in danger of sexual exploitation, and that it's going on all around us right now powerful people we're familiar with exploiting kids for their own gain and getting away with it. Most QAnon followers are parents or grandparents, a side effect of an 8chan member with connections to Q going on an Infowars spinoff and asking the older generation to quote, get involved with the fight. This one appearance opened up Q to a much more widestream fan base, particularly of older people who wouldn't be on places like 4chan or 8chan. After that, older QAnon members started spreading the ideas through Facebook like wildfire. So, right off the bat, QAnon aligns itself with a brand identity of truth. A white knight exposing child molesters and traffickers, potentially risking his life to bring his noble followers the truth. He shares that identity with his followers, enlisting them in his army of supposed child protectors. Let's look at the example of last summer's hashtag save the children or hashtag save our children campaign. The innocent sounding hashtag, which had been previously used by anti-child trafficking NGOs, began being used by QAnon members to spread QAnon skewed content about child trafficking. On Facebook, anxiety over children due to corona and QAnon propaganda combined to create a genuine panic about the morality of America and quote those at the top. Hundreds of protests for Save Our Children popped up all over the U.S. There was one right here in Hollywood. 
They passed through when we were grabbing lunch during work one day. I remember being confused reading their signs. I couldn't understand who they were protesting. I also noticed a fair amount of Trump and MAGA hats in the crowd. Stand up and raise a awareness and stop the silence. It is not okay. Pedophilia is not okay. The clips I've just played are two women that attended rallies for Save Our Children last summer. These protests and trending hashtags are the first step of the funnel. The topic itself grabs your attention. It gets you in the door. People are protesting child trafficking. Sounds like a worthy cause. I want to learn more. Let me search this hashtag. Whoops, you just entered the QAnon funnel because that hashtag has been dominated by QAnon and will send you right to the funnel's next step. Manipulated media. Because you may have come to save the children, but who are you saving them from? Q and his followers cast themselves as heroes from day one. On day two, you learn about their enemy, the supposed cabal of liberal and Jewish influential people that are the ones behind the child sex rings. The claims about these things link directly back to anti-Semitic myths that are literally centuries old, like blood libel. QAnon media exists as audio, video, memes, and pictures. Manipulations or animations, such as the much-shared deepfake video of Biden touching a little girl's chest, are rampant. Racist or anti-Semitic memes abound. Manipulated proof of various theories is made available. These, to me, serve in the same place as a customer testimonial or visual product education in a typical sales funnel. People are very influenced by visual stimuli, as we discussed in the last episode. At this point, QAnon funnel participants have given the topic some merit by searching it online. They've seen the initial messaging on child trafficking and are learning about the supposed cabal. They're wondering, could this be real? Then, just as they ask this question to themselves, they are met with image content overload that seems to reinforce it. Yes, this is real. Yes, this is documented. Yes, this is shared by real sources. Many people believe this. It's been vetted. In these moments, information is not unlike any product someone's pushing on you. In order to believe it, you'll go through the same steps you need to go through before you buy something online. You'll need to trust the supplier or seller. You'll need to know it really works, and you'll need proof that it works from other people who already bought it. This visual content answers these questions in the moment convincingly enough to usher many people into the next stage of the funnel, while others, alienated by the content, drop off. That's why it's called a funnel. It's shaped like a literal funnel with a wide brim at the top and a small spout at the bottom. Only the most passionate people make it to the end of the funnel. So there's opportunity for someone to drop off and drop out at any time. For me, I left the QAnon funnel at step one as soon as I saw the bogus child protest was, well, bogus. Of course child trafficking is horrible, but who's out here standing for child trafficking? Who are you protesting? I dismissed them as morons immediately because of this. I exited their funnel. But in a way, with that news story, anyone who knew about it in one way or another entered the QAnon funnel. Many people made it out, but many didn't. At this point, the funnel turns to a more interactive place and they start to consume and engage with Q's posts. Q's posts create a game for followers of QAnon and suck participants into this funnel even deeper with a new active role. For the third step in the QAnon funnel, a psychological exchange takes place. Funnels are all about investment. Investment of time, belief, attention, etc. by the consumer. Eventually they invest so much, 
that they want to buy something to make their investment worth the time that they've put into it. Up until this point, participants in the QAnon funnel have only invested their attention and maybe a little time. This third stage sees them invest more and get more back. And that's because of the way the dynamic is created and maintained by Q and his content releases. Remember, by this time, people are primed to believe that Q is real. They have a primal and passionate reaction to the revelation that there's an underground child trafficking ring. They consume media that seems to support even the more outlandish claims with visual proof. So they come to Q's posts believing, even just a little bit, that they are on the edge of something they've never seen before. In this mindset, the people still in the funnel arrive at Q's posts on 8chan. This is the third step of the funnel. Q's posts are cryptic and vague. They often contain a lot of questions and implications designed to guide readers towards discovering, quote, the truth for themselves through research. They also contain solid claims and code words. These posts reference government conspiracies, impending arrests of major liberal figures, child sex trafficking, and outlandish explanations for various events. But this third step of the funnel is not just posts from Q. It's something more. It's an introduction to a new hobby called baking. For those following Q, his posts contain, quote, crumbs, unquote, of intelligence that they, quote, bake into proofs, unquote. For bakers, QAnon becomes a passionate hobby. Because Q's posts require interpretation, that's part of what makes them so alluring. There are puzzle pieces, but something's always missing. This stage of the funnel and the moment they start to actively participate activates a deep and passionate curiosity in people. They analyze his cryptic words, drawing references and finding propaganda websites to back up random claims. For instance, Q often references Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, something that has been interpreted by followers as a CIA supercomputer in use to control Americans and maintain the supposed deep state. He creates these stories, posts them as reality, gives them movie names, and makes an engaging modern storytelling experience for people by leaving just enough out to keep them hungry and guessing. In their desperation for legit information, QAnon followers overassign importance to mundane coincidences, like when Q posted the Lord's Prayer and the Pope tweeted the Lord's Prayer a month later. This made QAnon believers actually think that Q had some kind of inside knowledge or influence with the Pope, all due to the use of the most common prayer in Christianity. So here's an individual who has somehow inside knowledge of the most secret inner workings of one of the most closely guarded places in the world, which is the Vatican. Uh, that was very, very impressive. That was amazing. That was the, the most spectacular proof I've ever seen. This stage of the funnel creates superfans. It creates the true believers. They're a part of a group too big to be ignored, with tons of other followers trading ideas, offering analysis and their own research, following just as passionately as themselves. They feel important, like they could be the ones to crack it all. They feel purposeful, like they're doing something that matters. This borders on Gnosticism, mentioned in a previous episode, which has much overlapping with evangelical Christianity, in that we are all godly when we are believers. Judgment day is coming, there will be blood. Harnessing Gnosticism is possibly the most powerful marketing tool, and is an unmistakable aspect of this step in the funnel. It's the kicker because it's now changed the person's identity who's a part of it. It's affecting how they see themselves and the decisions they make. The sale is complete. Remember the young man from the beginning talking about his father? His father was a QAnon baker. That's why he was constantly on the computer. He was researching, trying to crack the code. 
quote, for him, discovering QAnon felt like a blindfold was removed from his eyes and that he could, for the first time, see reality. For him, pledging the allegiance to QAnon was his baptism, and he even said that he was enlisted to fight. Those were his words, end quote. The step of the funnel is potentially the most dangerous. At this point, they are actively participating in QAnon. They have fun, feel important. They are saving children after all. It's an internet scavenger hunt with a huge team of people and real stakes. There is a deeper level, of course, the rock bottom that so many people find themselves facing either personally or through a spouse or family member. This is the self-isolation stage where subjects that aren't Q cease to matter. They enter a reality where Q isn't just an online presence, but a real life presence, one that fills up their conversations, Facebook feeds, and forces anything that isn't Q out. Q's online lingo seeps into their everyday vocabulary. They drive every conversation to his posts or a related conspiracy theory. They're obsessed. They are no longer consuming. They've been consumed. Humans have a natural pleasure reaction to sharing information. It's an evolutionary tool to help us spread ideas that will help us succeed better as a species. It's also why things like gossip and conspiracy theories have such intense shareability. Our brains make us feel good when we're the first person to share info with a new person. Think about the rush you get when you're the first person to share a huge breaking news story to your family or coworkers. That's not just excitement, it's chemical. It's a major component of what makes something called word of mouth marketing work. Businesses spend money to make a positive impression on enough people and trust that they will talk and spread brand awareness and a positive reputation. Disney is a good example of this. When I worked for their PR and marketing department, they spent a ton of resources on free early screenings with the perfect audiences for each film to get the right communities and markets talking about the film across the country before it was ever even released. Part of this fourth step of the QAnon funnel, called the self-isolation stage, is frustration at this very real human desire. By this point in the funnel, followers are bursting with information, with no one, in person, to tell. If their family aren't Q followers, they'll begin to resent them. They're addicted to the high they get from belonging to the Q community, both of learning and sharing insane information, and of feeling respected for their contributions to the movement. People refusing to participate in that good feeling are just getting in the way of the high. Because QAnon isn't a good movement for word of mouth spread. For people who haven't gone through the funnel, whose beliefs don't line up with Q's vigilante outsider identity, Hearing these things sounds like a bad TV show. They reject the beliefs and conspiracies as ridiculous. This incenses true believers who feel ultimate acceptance from the Q community. Q has built in a certain equality amongst his followers, where everyone is equal as researchers and fighters in the movement. The self-isolation is by design, a purposeful step in the funnel. Because for followers who made it all the way down the funnel, well, those are the real riders, and you don't want to lose them. Better they disconnect with non-believers who might convince them this is all a sham. Therefore, the kind of get with it or get lost encouragement comes from 8chan and QAnon boards. It only strengthens the movement in their eyes. Plus, alienated people have a lot more time to spend devoted to QAnon. So it's a self-preservation move intended to keep feeding the QAnon machine by any means necessary. These people lose families, moms, dads, wives and husbands, kids. All over something that once started as a seemingly positive movement about protecting kids. 
Ironically, Jim Watkins originally founded a Japanese porn site that exploited underage women. So the person at the head of this has completely different values than what QAnon followers claim to stand for. Frederick and John Watkins came to a bitter point after multiple mass shootings by 8chan users that left 31 people dead in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. Additional shootings in New Zealand and California were also perpetrated by 8chan users. Many of the shooters wrote manifestos and published them to 8chan before the attack. They were encouraged by other people on 8chan. It is important to note here the role of Donald Trump in the QAnon space. Trump is represented as the ultimate insider to these conspiracies and injustices by Q. He'd have to be since he's the hero in every QAnon scenario. With this comes the messaging that not only is Trump a part of this QAnon army, he's also co-signing the entire movement and members' activities and actions. In a country largely left behind during the Trump presidency years, with rising evidence Trump did not even care about the quality of life for his most ardent supporters. The power of this false, comforting, protective presence is predictable and depressing. It's basically a fantasy of the Trump they hoped for when they voted. On steroids. On intense King Kong level steroids. For example, in 2019, in Staten Island, a 24-year-old man commits a murder and claims that his victim was a prominent member of the deep state and accordingly an appropriate target for a citizen's arrest, the New York Times reported. He became certain that he was enjoying the protection of President Trump himself and that he had the president's full support, the lawyer wrote. Trump's presence may just be the last step in solidifying extremist belief in QAnon's movement. The lie that he's involved in this giant fight gives it legitimacy to followers. It gives them a protector that will come to their aid as a fellow fighter when they need it. Think about it. The funnel is complete. They started just innocuously clicking on a protect our children post. Now they're comfortable committing violence without impunity and truly believe that these violent acts are co-signed by the President of the United States. Many members of the insurrection mob at the Capitol were QAnon, or at least in some part of the QAnon funnel. Both women who died during the event were members of QAnon. Gab and Telegram groups, chat groups themed to Q with thousands of members, aided those prepping for the January 6th storming of the Capitol. Without Q, I think it's safe to say that that day would not have happened in the same way. A couple years back, Frederick had a change of heart seeing the damage done by his creation. He said he no longer believed that completely unchecked free speech was good for humanity, something that went against his lifelong belief system. He begged Watkins to end the site, but Watkins refused. Frederick then started on a campaign to end 8chan through sabotaging relationships with 8chan's independent contractors like hosting and web services companies that 8chan relied on to operate. Frederick was successful, and 8chan went down in 2019. He not only ended their current contacts, but went to every competitor and united them in a boycott of 8chan, effectively ending the ability for the site to function at all. Frederick also said publicly that Watkins was senile. Watkins sued him for this comment, and Frederick was forced to flee the Philippines and return to the United States in a hurry. He feared he would not survive jail in the Philippines. After 8chan was forced to close, Watkins created a new, similar site hosting, who he says is Q, called 8kun, K-U-N. Late last year, 8kun started experiencing the same issues that shut down 8chan. 
despite several shell companies and attempted workarounds so that bandwidth providers wouldn't be aware they were supporting Aitken, the word kept getting out, and once again, they were taken offline. Currently, 8Cunt exists only accessible through a .onion address. For those that don't know, this means it's part of the dark web. Although the website is unreachable through its usual domain on ClearNet, users continue to access the site through its IP address and via its .onion address on the Tor Hidden Services darknet. Apparently, Q has been pretty quiet these days. He's only posted five times since Trump lost the election. But the damage is done. The funnel exists whether or not he's pushing out content, because this is a machine now, and it continues to be driven by social media. Remember when I said that funnels are everywhere? They're on social media too. Social media platform algorithms act as a funnel of sorts. They want you to remain on their platform, so they show you more videos like the ones you've already watched. Your actions influence their presumptions about you, which in turn influence the experience they give you back. This also means you will fall very quickly down a mini funnel of similar messaging repeated over and over again. This gives the illusion of something you see on social media as being universally accepted and consumed. Since it's all you see, you assume that it's all everyone's seeing. That comes from an innate human assumption, until we learn differently, that everyone shares our personal experience. For conservative media, it can be called being red-pilled with intense conservative content on social media until it's all you can see or believe. It would be naive to say that this kind of algorithm activity was not at least in part to blame for the strength of the QAnon funnel and its effectiveness. Every time you click a video, you're going deeper and deeper into the extremism of what this social media mini funnel has to offer. You'll be driven from those videos to conservative fake news networks, where you'll consume even more misleading news content. You're working your way through the conservative news media funnel, and you don't even know it. You think you're having an organic journey where you learn and discover all this on your own. You're actually in a predetermined path intended to make you into an extremist. But who benefits from extremism? Someone like Donald Trump. Donald Trump's campaign fund sent over 2,000 emails asking for donations to fight the quote, illegal election. He terrorized his email list of millions for months, pumping them dry for every penny. It's unclear if any of that money was actually spent on legal fees, but probably not. Paperwork recently exposed a massive transfer from campaign cash into the private Trump coffers in the hundreds of millions. The fear mob sustained by QAnon is literally driving cash into his pocket. No wonder he won't speak out against them. QAnon's influence on American politics is like being exposed to a toxic chemical. Not only has it devastated us currently, but it's likely to have lasting damage we may not even be able to see yet. But it all started with a funnel. I hope you start to notice the funnels in your lives and what paths they're taking you down. Make sure it's a path you want to be on. On an ending note, I also wanna make sure that this podcast is not misinterpreted. I do not consider QAnon followers as victims of this machine. They are participants. Many QAnon beliefs have root in age-old discrimination that still plays a huge role in the lives of many Americans and how they see this country and what it means to be an American. Many QAnon members are white and believe that the real America is a white America, celebrating racism, anti-Semitism, mistrust of government steps toward equality, mistrust of elite or successful people. There is a deep-seated resentment among these people as having something taken from them, 
of being less off than people who, in their mind, they are more deserving than. The part that the QAnon funnel machine plays here is a stoker of these embers and flames. Q has his fingers on the issues that certain Americans keep returning to, like a tongue to a lost tooth. But he's still doing what I said in the very first episode here was the key to good marketing. He's telling them that everything they're feeling is okay. And he's heightening the stakes. He's harnessed the raw available materials of hate and built an empire. He's created an American system intended to erode belief in American systems. And it's working better than anyone could have predicted.